slip your headphones on. I'll be your radio. And if you turn me on, how would you ever know? Hey guys, podcasting's Rich Siegfried here. Well, we didn't do an episode last month. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my kids moved in with me full time. So three little kids that are about 120 IQ kind of keeps me busy. But we return with a wonderful Christmas episode for you. Christian and I, we wrote and produced these separately. So, you know what? I haven't even heard what Christiana's done. And I, I'm a hell, I'm looking forward to it. Are you kidding me? If it's anything half as near as genius as what she normally comes up with, I think we're all in for a really good Christmas. So for those of you listening, Merry Christmas. Unless you're an atheist, then, you know, Merry Presents. Or whatever you may believe. Or don't believe. Or I, I don't know the right polite terms for everything it's too complicated just happy holidays yeah i think that's safe everybody i would like you to put your hands together for my next guest he only works one day a year but what a day he and his team help santa to bring joy to all the girls and boys please welcome donner the reindeer Thank you, thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. So, Donner, may I call you Donner? <laughs> of course, that's my name after all. Yes, of course. It's also the title of your book. So, why don't we start there? Why did you title your book, My Name is Donner? Well, believe it or not, my name has been a little bit of a controversy. All of the other reindeer's names are pretty solidly known, but a lot of people just can't seem to agree on whether my name is Donner or Don Durr. It sounds like you're setting the record straight then. Well, yes, but I can understand where the confusion comes in. It's a little bit complicated. Do tell. Well, so first I should explain that the names are really like, you know, code names, call signs. We pick them, and then that becomes what we go by. Way back when we put the team together, me and Blitzen, my wingman, well, our first call signs were actually Dunder and Blixem. And those aren't just made-up words. It means thunder and lightning in Dutch. That's what we went by for a long time. But then, for a while, the word Dunderhead started being used for someone who was, you know, dumb. So... We decided to change our names to the current versions, Donner and Blitzen, which is Thunder and Lightning in German. Now, I don't know how it got started exactly, but I think people got confused between the two. They started calling me Donder. And then one of the versions of that Christmas poem got published with that spelling, and there you have it. It's been Donner for long enough now that you'd think people would have it straight, but no, 
Every year, I still get dozens of fan letters with Don Durr. I mean, I'm really grateful that they care enough to write, you know. I don't mean to insult anybody, but get my name right, you know? That's just why I want to set the record straight. Of course. But your book is not just about your name. That's right. It's a memoir. It talks about how I grew up, how I started training to become one of Santa's team, and, well, just a bit of what it's like to work with Santa. Now, it sounds as though not everybody at the North Pole is exactly happy about you giving everybody a peek behind the curtains. It's true. A lot of the guys, even Santa, can be really conservative about letting the secrets out. I understand where they're coming from, but it's a new age. Strategies need to change. Do you know that a lot of people don't even believe in Santa anymore? It sounds crazy, but I know it's true. I don't give away any really detailed technical secrets or anything, but I do try to give people a feel as to what it's like there in the room with the sleigh, all that stuff. So there's another aspect of your book that I'm sure a lot of people are curious about. Let's talk about Rudolph. Right, right. Well, let me make this perfectly clear right off the bat. I respect Rudolph. I like Rudolph. Rudolph is an essential part of the team. But that said, there is a lot of stuff out there. You know the stuff I mean. Songs, TV specials, that give people a mistaken impression. Well, tell us what you mean. Well, listen, everybody knows the song, right? And how does that beginning go? All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. Well, let's start at the beginning there. Laugh and call him names. Listen, it's like I said. We use call signs on the team. We all use call signs. It promotes morale and team bonding and everything. But then Rudolph comes into the program. He's not on the team yet, mind you. He's working his way up through the ranks, right? Anyway, he comes in, huge chip on his shoulder about the nose thing, and says, I don't want a call sign. Call me Rudolph. Well, maybe that's what he wanted, but that's just not how it's done. We didn't make fun of him because of his nose. We made fun of him because he came in all cocky and pretentious. His nose was just a focus because, well, it's right there, right? Everybody had nicknames and he didn't want to pick one. So we got to suggesting some and okay, maybe it got a little out of hand and he took offense. But there was no malice in it. We were just trying to make him part of the team. But he wants to come in as a rookie and change up the way we've been doing things for years. And the reindeer games? Well, we prefer to call them training exercises. Listen, at the speeds we travel, we have to be an extremely precise and united team. We can't just wing it. We need to practice and train and practice and train some more. We have an understudy program in case anyone is sick or injured. And we have a minor league programs where we separate the reindeer who can cut it in the big leagues from the ones who can't. Listen, it's like being an astronaut. Not everybody has the qualities required. That doesn't make them bad reindeer. doesn't mean they don't have something they can contribute to the overall effort. But Santa's sleigh, this is a demanding job. Rudolph comes in, he wants to jump the line. He wants to train with the actual team before he's paid his dues. It's like I said, he's a good kid, but he's cocky. 
He thinks he's special, and none of us can say anything, because if we do, we're just picking on the shiny nose kid. Now, believe me, he really saved our bacon on that one foggy Christmas Eve. There is no question about that. And believe me, no one was more happy than me that we were able to find a way for him to really contribute to the team. But he's like special teams, right? He's the kicker. We bring him in for certain tasks. He is now a valuable member of the team, but people are still singing that song, and it makes everyone think that all the rest of us were just jerks who pick on him because he's different. That's just not how it went down, and believe me, Rudolph would tell you the same thing, but he's a very private reindeer. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you can find My Name is Donner at all major booksellers this holiday season. Thank you for coming out, Donner. Thank you. Ho, ho, ho. To continue, ladies and gentlemen, you've listened to a long and complex case. Bullying in the first degree. Premeditated bullying is the most serious charge evaluated in Santa's naughty nice evaluations. You've listened to the testimony. You've had the guidelines read to you and interpreted as it applies in this case. It is now your duty to sit down and try to separate the facts from the fancy. One boy's nose is bloodied. Another boy's presents are at stake. If there's a reasonable doubt in your minds as to the naughtiness of the accused, uh, a reasonable doubt, then you must bring me a verdict of nice. If, however, there is no reasonable doubt, then you must, in good conscience, find the accused naughty. However you decide, your verdict must be unanimous. In the event that you find the accused naughty, the bench will not entertain a recommendation for mercy. The gift of coal is mandatory in this case. You are faced with a grave responsibility. Thank you. Uh, okay, everybody, uh, since I'm the elf jury foreman, I suppose we should start with a simple vote to see where everybody stands. Uh, we'll do a secret ballot. Everybody vote naughty or nice, and then we can move forward from there. Sound okay to everybody? Okay by me. All right, uh, it looks like we got everybody, and I, uh, think everyone's agreed on naughty. Oh, wait, no, uh, we've got, uh, 11 votes for naughty and one for nice. Oh, come on, what? Oh. All right, who was it? We've got toys to make for the kids who actually deserve them. We can't spend all day in here. It was you who voted nice, wasn't it? What? Why me? I know you're on reindeer poop detail. This is probably like a vacation to you. Hey, I volunteered for that job. I like animals, okay? Listen, there's no need for accusations here. It, it was me, all right? I voted for nice. How could you do that? You sat there with all of us and watched the footage. The kid's obviously naughty. Well, maybe he's naughty, maybe he's not. I just think we ought to talk about it, that's all. What do you mean? What's there to talk about? Well, none of the cameras or observers actually saw the incident take place. Yeah, that's the whole reason we're here. If the observers actually saw it happen, there would be no need for the hearing. But the evidence is obvious. Okay, maybe you're right, but this kid was doing new bike in a video game before this incident. 
This is the only black mark on his record, and I just think we owe it to him to talk it over a little bit first before we declare him naughty. He's a bully. We don't owe him anything. The evidence is obvious. That's right. We have the victim going off behind the school workshed. But his observer is delayed by a technical malfunction, and the suspect's observer didn't see it either because he stopped to help the victim's observer. But meanwhile, our suspect follows the victim back behind the workshed. Less than 15 seconds later, he runs back out. Our elf observer then rushes back behind the shed and finds the victim on the ground, his nose bloodied and looking for his glasses, which have been knocked on the ground. This was less than two minutes after the victim had gone behind the shed. It's obvious. The suspect followed the victim back there, hit him, and then ran off. That's right. This kid is naughty as H-E double hockey sticks. Double hockey sticks? What are you, six years old? Listen, maybe you guys are right. Maybe it is just that simple, but I just don't want to condemn this kid to coal in his stocking without even discussing it a little bit. For example... These kids have never had any significant interactions before. Why would our suspect kid follow him back there and hit him when they've never had so much as a conversation before? There's no motive. Who says he needs a motive? He's a bully. What do you think happened? You think this kid bloodied his own nose? Well, could there have been another person back there? What? Where did this come from? How could there have been another kid back there? His observer would have reported it. Well, what if the other person wasn't a kid? Or a kid who stopped believing in Santa? That's a lot of ifs. I don't know. Maybe he has a point. The observers didn't actually see anything. How long was it between the suspect running away and the observers getting back there? Oh, don't you start now. According to the official timeline, the victim went behind the shed at 2.14 p.m. and 32 seconds. The suspect went behind the shed at 2.17 p.m. and 14 seconds and left 16 seconds later at 2.17 p.m. and 30 seconds. Then the observers made it back there to find the victim on the ground at 2.17 p.m. and 48 seconds. You see, he had to have done it. The observers found the victim on the ground with blood on his face, looking for his glasses, right after the suspect fled the scene. But the suspect was only back there with the victim for 16 seconds. Is that really enough time for him to have done it? Well, sure it was. He walks back there, walks right up to the kid, bops him one, and then runs. He could have done that in 16 seconds easy. But wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. There wasn't an ongoing bullying relationship here. They had never even talked. 16 seconds doesn't leave enough time for any name-calling, escalation, or anything. Straight to physical violence with no other preceding harassment? That doesn't fit the bully profile, even for kids with naughty records. If there is any reasonable doubt, we cannot find him naughty. I think we need another vote. Who still says the kid is naughty? And, uh, nice? Okay, now we have six votes for naughty and six for nice. Oh, come on, you guys. Those bully profiles don't apply to every individual. Besides, if the suspect didn't do it, who did? Some mystery man who goes around framing little kids for bullying? I don't know who it was, or even if there was anybody at all. Maybe something else happened. Maybe there was just an accident. Well, why did the victim go behind the woodshed anyway? Hey, I don't think this was ever presented during the hearing, but can we pull up the observer records? Have either the victim or the suspect ever gone back there behind that shed before that day? And if so, what were they doing back there? I can pull that up. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, 
Uh, it looks like the uh, victim had only ever been back there once before. Uh, the day before the incident. And he uh, didn't stay to do anything. He just walked back around the side of the shed. And then left. The suspect, though, uh, he ate his lunch back there in that spot on 16 different occasions in the last two months alone. If he ate his lunch back there regularly, he may not have been following the victim back there at all. After all, it was more than two whole minutes between when the victim went back there and then the suspect. What if he didn't even know the victim was back there? Then who bloodied the victim's nose, huh? I can't believe the way you guys are overthinking this. Obviously he did it. He wants to be a football player when he grows up. A football player. Football players are bullies. Every one of them bullies. Dude, that's prejudice. A little naughty, don't you think? My God, you're right. How wrong I've been. Thank goodness all it takes to defeat bigotry is to point it out. I changed my vote to nice. Should we vote again? Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, votes for naughty. And for nice. Okay, so we're agreed then. We don't have evidence to prove this kid naughty beyond a reasonable doubt, so we have no choice but to find him nice. Wait a minute. You, the guy who first voted for nice and got us all talking to begin with. I know you. I've been sitting here all this time thinking I knew you from somewhere. You work in the Observer Equipment Maintenance Division, and your district is the same one that the victim and the suspect are from. What? What are you implying? The mysteriously failed observing equipment? It was equipment you were responsible for. Well, oh, that's weird. Huh? Yeah, what's going on with that? I don't know about that. I don't know. What was... But I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. All right. All right, you got me. I admit it. I sabotaged the observer equipment to cover up my own secret meeting with the victim. He and I have been meeting secretly for months. His behavior displays an intricate pattern which I had observed for years, and which I believe contains the code for a secret formula. A formula which could be developed into a serum, which, when weaponized, could be dispersed into the milk cartons in the public school lunch program, resulting in a rash of naughty behavior. This change would exponentially expand the naughty list, requiring a tremendous increase in the amount of coal required to punish them. This would cause the price of coal to skyrocket. And since I'm heavily invested in coal futures, under a number of front companies, of course, I would stand to make a fortune. I would then take that windfall to fund an expedition to the Namibian desert, where I believed that I could locate the ancient temple of Nyarhotep, where I could raise the old one from his slumber to end the world and devour all sentient beings into madness and darkness. I would have gotten away with it, too, except that the suspect, as you call him, showed up most inconveniently. I would have killed him then and there, except that the victim tried to stop me. I bloodied his nose, but by then the suspect had run, and I knew I needed to flee the scene as well. Dude. Um, I was just going to complain that you hadn't done very good maintenance on the equipment. So why did you tell us all of that? You really think I would have told you my entire plan if there was the slightest thing you could do to stop me? I triggered it 35 minutes ago. Triggered what? Hmm? Which part did you trigger? Um, oh, uh, I, well, uh, it was the posting of the Craigslist 
help wanted ad for a scientist to help me develop the serum. So, I'm pretty sure we can stop you then. Wow, really? Yeah, definitely. Huh. Well, <laughs> I uh, probably shouldn't have told you guys the entire plan then, huh? No, probably not. I'm... I'm sorry, you guys. I, I know that trying to raise an old one to devour all sentience is kind of a naughty thing to do, but I was just so angry. Man, we're all angry. Why do you think this skit is called Twelve Angry Elves? Oh, I, I thought it was just a whole Twelve Angry Men parody title thing. No, man, that was just a coincidence. But don't you think it's a strange coincidence? What do you mean? Do you remember how you got here? To this jury room, I mean. Well, uh, we... Santa read us the jury instructions, and, and then, um... You're dreaming right now. That whole plan you just read off. You think all of that could be real? No way, it's crazy. It's just your subconscious projecting random conspiracy elements onto your rationalization. My rationalization of what? That you just want to see your children's faces again. Um, I don't have any kids. Wait, what? I'm single, uh, never married. <laughs> don't, no, no kids. You, no illegitimate kids even? Uh, no, pretty sure not. Oh, ah, well, hmm. Oh, well, let me just check this out. Oh, man! I think we're in the wrong guy's dream. Wait, so if you're wrong about me rationalizing, then does that mean that my plan is real and I just explained it all to you? Um, quite possibly. So, uh, now what? I don't know. The scene has kind of lost momentum and, uh, turned all surreal. You think that's surreal? You're not even talking to me right now. What do you mean? Well, I'm not actually another person. I'm just a fictional character, speaking lines written in a script. And so are you. Both of us are really just the same person, doing different voices, and then pitch shifted to make us sound like elves. Wait, so if we're both fictional, we're both the same person, then I'm just talking to myself right now? That's right. And we're not even here in this jury room. It doesn't even exist. We're really just in an apartment in North Carolina, sitting in front of a microphone. Wow, we're pretty messed up. Without question. So, uh, now what? I don't know. I mean, we can't really go on like this, can we? I mean, we're essentially imaginary, talking to ourselves about things that aren't real. It's if, kind of pointless. If the scene continues any longer, it's just going to be all meta and start being really pretentious. Well, maybe we should just stop then. That's the horrible truth, though. We can't. Sure, we could stop this conversation, but then there would just be another and another. We can't stop, because she can't. Not unless she can wake up. What? You see, she's not actually recording this right now. She just thinks that she is because she's eaten too much sugar and she's delusional. So, it's actually not being recorded? Nope, it's not. She forgot to press the button. But if she forgot to press the button... How are the listeners hearing this right now? Well, they aren't. They aren't hearing this right now. They just think they are because of the Matrix. Whoa. 
The only thing that could make this weirder is if the whole skit just had a really abrupt and unexpected end. It was the night before Christmas, and I was alone in my joint. I'd let Sally go home. It was nearly midnight, and she had a point. She said she didn't want to spend her night with me in the office, but she could be home with her fiancé, someone to snuggle and kiss. She's the best dame a guy could have working for him, especially when the case we'd been working was so grim. She'd already put in more hours than I could count. When it came to her beau, his rank was paramount. But I'd sent her on her way to enjoy some peace and fun. But with the danger of our case, I asked her about her gun. In our line of work, you never know what could happen. She pointed to her holster and said, No worries, Captain. She'd been gone for an hour when I first heard the clatter. I jumped from my desk when the first window shattered. Turns out DeMont wasn't thrilled we were hot on his trail. We turned a few of his boys, then his girl, and that was the last nail. With glass and wood splintered and raining down on my head, I knew if I didn't act quickly, the case and I would be dead. I unholstered my burner and checked on my rounds. I didn't have many to deal with these clowns. I peeked my head out of what was left of the window and counted the men down on the street below. I saw that there were seven guys and that I was screwed. I only had one round in the cylinder and I came unglued. As I sat there, a few thoughts flew through my mind. Times joyous and happy and more of that kind. Thought of Maria, Nancy, and the other girls I'd loved. They'd never know the danger I'd run afoul of. About that time, I heard in the distance some bells jangle. I peeked over the windowsill and got a good angle. Far away, I saw the silhouette of a fat man on a sled. And deep within my hardened heart, felt a twinge of dread. See, I'd done a lot of things this year that were more than naughty. Especially those things with Dumonti's gal Dottie. I don't know if Kringle was working for them or for me. Maybe on my own, surrounded by debris. As Santa flew closer and closer, I could see. He had malice in store for them, salvation for me. He took a pass over the scene and began to evaluate. The best way that he and I could collaborate. He circled around and then when they took notice, that the fat man in red would ruin their solstice. He flew by and looked and dropped a present over the side. Unconsciousness for Joe, the fat man did provide. Two more presents, then three from the heavens did fall, as more and more lead flew into my wall. Only one was left to hinder my night, and I was sure I'd live through this firefight. I popped out of my hiding spot and began to unload. The pop of my heater was deafening as it echoed. I knew St. Nick wouldn't like it if I rendered him dead. I shot him in the leg and not in the head. They picked up their fallen and ran as fast as they could. They didn't know that I was empty and glad they misunderstood. Santa landed on the road in front of my feet and said, We made a team that could not be beat. I offered him thanks and the jolly fella gave a nod. I said if it wasn't for him, I'd be chatting with God. He then mounted his sled and tossed me a present. He told me that something important had been absent. With a mighty chuckle, he whipped the reins on his sleigh. He took off into the night and flew on his way. I opened the box and six bullets were inside. I laughed and laughed for what Santa had supplied. And now, the 12 sci-fi spoilers. A song. The first big bad spoiler that sci-fi gave to me 
washed eyes in serenity. The second Big Bad Spoiler that Sci-Fi gave to me. Red matter makes black holes and washed eyes in serenity. The third Big Bad Spoiler that Sci-Fi gave to me. Stark drinks too much red matter, makes black holes, and washed eyes in serenity. The fourth big bad spoiler that sci-fi gave to me. Vickers eats cat food, Stark drinks too much red matter, makes black holes, and washed eyes in serenity. The fifth big bad spoiler that sci-fi gave to me. Obi-Wan had the high ground. Vickers eats cat food. Stark drinks too much red matter, makes black holes. And washed eyes in serenity. The sixth big bad spoiler that sci-fi gave to me. Manhattan didn't do it, Obi-Wan had the high ground. Vickers eats cat food, Stark drinks too much, red matter makes black holes, and washed eyes in serenity. The seventh big bad spoiler that sci-fi gave to me. Neither boat blows up the other. Manhattan didn't do it. Obi-Wan had the high ground. Vickers eats cat food. Stark drinks too much red matter, makes black holes. And washed eyes in serenity. The eighth big bad spoiler that sci-fi gave to me. Quaritch blows up home tree, neither boat blows up the other. Manhattan didn't do it, Obi-Wan had the high ground. Vickers eats cat food, Stark drinks too much red matter, makes black holes. And Walsh dies in serenity. The ninth big bad spoiler that sci-fi gave to me. The top doesn't fall, or does it? Quaritch blows up home tree, neither boat blows up the other. Manhattan didn't do it, Obi-Wan had the high ground. Vickers eats cat food, Stark drinks too much red matter, makes black holes. And washed eyes in serenity. The tenth big bad spoiler that sci-fi gave to me. Merle cuts his hand off, the top doesn't fall, or does it? Quaritch blows up home tree, neither boat blows up the other. Manhattan didn't do it, Obi-Wan had the high ground. Vickers eats cat food, Stark drinks too much red matter, makes black holes. And washed eyes in serenity. The eleventh big bad spoiler that sci-fi gave to me. Emo Parker dances. Merle cuts his hand off. The top doesn't fall, or does it? 
Quaritch blows up home tree, neither boat blows up the other. Manhattan didn't do it, Obi-Wan had the high ground. Vickus eats cat food, Stark drinks too much red matter, makes black holes. And Wash dies in serenity. The twelfth big bad spoiler that sci-fi gave to me. Earth's a bombed out wasteland. Emo Parker dances. Merle cuts his hand off. The top doesn't fall or does it. Quaritch blows up home tree. Neither boat blows up the other. Manhattan didn't do it. Obi-Wan had the high ground. Vickus eats cat food, Stark drinks too much, red matter makes black holes, and Wash dies in serenity. Merry Christmas, everybody, and sorry for making you listen to me sing. Welcome back to our Pledge Drive. Remember, it's your contributions that keep us on the air, and not just filling up your local coffee houses with our arrogant views on politics, religion, and style. We now return you to the life of a Christmas tree, from seed to mulch, featuring Brian Blessed. In the past five hours, we've taken an intimate look at the life of a Christmas tree, from its birth as a seed to its full-grown maturation. But as a spark of life was once instilled, it must also be snuffed. As we present part 42 of Christmas Tree, From Seed to Mulch. Yet another bright, crisp fall morning. I love being alive. I can almost hear John Denver singing. Oh, hello there. What a lovely, happy family coming this way and singing Christmas carols. Not John Denver, but it will do nicely. La 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 la. What is that that the father is carrying? It's very shiny and looks sharp. I wonder what he plans on doing with... Ow! Ow! Hey! What are you doing? Stop hitting me there! My god, the pain! It's excruciating! Why would you do this to me? Oh god, oh god, I'm falling! Oh god, oh! oh. What, what have you done? Why would you. I. My roots! I can't feel my roots! What have you done to my roots? Oh, oh, my squirrel friend! Long have I been your home. I've seen your children grow within my nurturing bosom. I'm sorry. I cannot protect you any longer. Run. Run like the wind. Oh, you horrible people. Why would you be dragging me? My my majestic head doesn't belong on the ground. It belongs in the sky with birds perched upon my beard. No, 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 you can't possibly think I'll fit on top of your small family sedan. I'm far too long. Ah, Uh, ah, see, I told you. 
Oh, those bungee cords are far too tight. I, I cannot breathe. Just, just loosen them a bit. Oh, oh, that's better. <sighs> Goodbye, forest. I'll miss your sweet mountain clean air. I've always been proud of my place amongst the rest of wilderness. This forest forever teeming of life. You may be taking me, but you'll never defeat the spirit of Mother... Uh, overpass! Overpass! Not gonna make it! Oh, Mother Gaia! Uh, oh, oh. Made it. Oh, I made it. I... I can't take much more. Uh. Oh. How long have I been out? Where am I? It looks like... Like they've hung lights on the outside of their domicile. At least they are only outside... What the shit is this? They've... They've adorned me with these blinking abominations. Have they not class? I know what I shall ask for Christmas. The return of my dignity. Oh, for shame to you all. Ah, I can't get the blinking out of my eyes. I can't look away. Even if I close my eyes, I, I still see the flashing against my lids. What fresh hell is this? The blinking! The blinking! Make it stop! I... I must get a grip. I can't let this defeat me. I'm so parched. Surely this violates the Geneva Convention. Bring me some water immediately! I demand... Oh! Oh! Now stop that! That tickles! What is... Oh, of course! Why wouldn't they have a dog? They certainly respect life! I would even welcome you to urinate me so that I might combat the dehydration that is taking me over. Pee, dog! Damn you, pee! Wait, where are you going? Your, your human master is coming over. And what further indignity do you wish to inflict upon- Oh god! Oh god, water! Water! Oh, sweet water! Thank you so much. I apologize for my earlier curses. They were most unfair. And what is this you are bringing- Ow! Oh, quit that! Ow! Why are you throwing boxes at me? That is just uncalled for. Next time one of your progeny come near, I swear that I will topple on them! Just you wait! Oh, sweet Elgore's bottom! Shoo, canine, shoo! That is my water! The presents are reflecting the blinking lights directly into my eyes. I can't take this any longer. I... I know what I can do. Payback time, you bastards! I'll clog your vacuum cleaner with the pine needles from my dying limbs! If only I could... Toss a few... Towards your fireplace! I'll laugh over the crackling as your home is burned down around your cursed slumbering bodies! <laughs> the blinking the blinking Thank you for joining us for part 42 of Christmas Tree from Seed to Mulch In part 43 The Perils of the Dump Thank you.
12 Sci-Fi Spoilers, My Name Donner, and 12 Angry Elves was written and performed by Christiana Ellis. The Noir Before Christmas and The Blessed Christmas Tree was written and performed by Podcasting's Rich Siegfried. Theme song was provided by Magnatune and performed by Five Star Fall. Don't forget to give us feedback either on our website or by leaving us a message at 347-OUTCAST. That's 347-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Visit outcastmultimedia.com for more podcasts by me, Podcasting's Rich Siegfried, and many other fine folks. <laughs>